0: Hello and welcome to Page 8. I am Jack Myrick and I'm joined by our sports editor Jacob Waters. Oh it's uh, it's nice to be here. Now Jacob you've been uh, going to a lot of the practices this summer seeing what the team's gonna be. What are your expectations right now for Hugh Freeze in his debut season here on the Plains? You know a lot of hype behind him. What, what are you expecting from him?
1: Yeah I think my expectations for uh, the first season under Hugh Freeze aren't, aren't particularly high. Um, I think Auburn probably sit at that 7-8 eight, eight win mark. Um, but I think the biggest thing for Auburn is even if it's not winning the games, I think in those losses Auburn will inevitably have as long as Auburn is competitive in those losses. Like if Auburn Auburn plays Georgia um, week 5. Um, if Auburn loses by 35, that wouldn't be any different from last year. But I think a difference from last season to this season is that Auburn can at least be competitive in that game. You know, Maybe have it have it close at halftime, maybe only be down by like a touchdown going into the third quarter, or excuse me, into the fourth quarter. But um, I think that'll be the biggest difference. I don't see Auburn getting that many more wins than last year. Like I said, maybe like seven or eight. But I don't, I don't think we'll see Auburn lose by twenty or more to a team. Um, I think about to last year when Penn State came into Auburn and won that game forty-one to twelve. I just don't see anything like that happening, or when Ole Miss ran for four hundred yards on Auburn. I don't see anything like that happening again. I think this team will be much better coached. Um, so, yeah, like I said, seven, eight wins, but in those losses, Auburn is at least competitive in those losses, and there aren't any aren't any blowouts.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's what I've thought with Freeze, is that yeah. he's going to come and clean up the those messes that we've particularly made where, you know, you're playing like this week in UMass, where sometimes you think, okay, cakewalk, but Auburn would sometimes keep them in the game a little bit when right. they shouldn't be in the game. Right. I feel like that's what we're gonna see from Freeze.
1: Yeah, and that's that's he pointed out at his press conference on Monday. Um, you know, I mean, we got all kind of like, UMass is not the greatest opponent. Um, so when Freeze was asked about what he's expecting um, from week one, he said he just wanted to keep it clean, no turnovers, no pre-snap penalties. He just wanted to see a good, clean game, and then obviously have his players come out with passion. Um, but I think that's, I think that's something that Freeze has always kind of banked on while he's coaching. Like we're not gonna have. We're not going to finish the game with 15 penalties or four turnovers. He's always going to be playing like just clean football all the way, three for 60 minutes.
0: I mean, since you've been around it more than anyone else here at the Plainsman, have you seen or felt a culture shift so far in the program? Because, you know, to me it's it seems like from the outside, it kind of seems like the program has had a change. Like even mm-hmm. from what the Malzahn era and the Chizik era, like there seems to be some kind of a shift in the whole program
1: right i mean, i wasn't at practices for uh, like the Malzon era or anything but i was there for a lot um under Brian Harson i think just being at practices you can tell there's some kind of difference i can't really point exactly to what it is but it just seems like guys are coming out with a lot more energy um you at least what i've been able to see um, there's rarely guys like slacking off in a play i think under harson it was just so kind of laid back and just the players weren't as involved or anything but i think under freeze they know that that's his expectations and that's what he preaches every single press conference like we cannot even in practice like we cannot take take a off because what you know the saying practice how you play so I think that's something that the players know and uh talking to the players too they've they've said that they said uh, I remember T- Tate Johnson left guard he's been in a battle he said he said if we can if one of those guys comes in and just isn't trying that hard like you're not gonna play so yeah. I think that's something that's been um, preached by Hugh Freeze and the players have responded to it really, really well.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the, all these players, you know, being brought in from like this has been a crazy recruiting year mm-hmm. for Auburn. Like we've not seen recruiting like this in a, quite a while. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what what have you thought of Freeze's recruiting?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's done a phenomenal job so far. I think. I don't want to go back to Harson that that much, but mm-hmm. I, that is like a huge difference between the two. Um, obviously, Harson came in with no experience in the SEC obviously Freeze has been, been Ole Miss before. And, um, even just coaching high school football in the South, he knows like how to form those relationships. Um, he knows what you have to do to get the big time players to come to your program. And I think that was pretty clearly evident with 41 newcomers on the team. I I think it was 21 through the transfer portal and 20 through the recruiting class, uh, for 2023. But yeah, I mean, that's obviously the recruiting has been really, really good because this, this roster needed a complete makeover, and that's exactly what he did.
0: Yeah, I think I think he's definitely he's shown that players do want to come to Auburn. they like this is an environment that people want to be in. It's it's a place that's really, like great, accepting for the players and stuff. And we hadn't really seen that. And Freeze came yeah. in. And, I mean, just shows you like you can do that
1: here. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think. In my opinion, at least Auburn is like at least like a top fifteen program in the mm-hmm. country, and there is no reason for Auburn to ever be finishing in the twenties in recruiting. Uh, I think that's always just gonna be unacceptable. But yeah, and then you know, like he's, like you just said, like Freeze, he you know, he's had he has one kid at Auburn now. He had a kid at Auburn before then. Um, he know like he's been around Auburn, so he knows just how good of a football program there is at Auburn, how like big of a university it is, and it, I think he's definitely definitely made that known to like the high school recruits at least that like, Hey, this Auburn's been down in the past couple of years, but like, this is where Auburn should be. And this is how you, if you come in, we can get you back to that spot.
0: Now, has there been any players that have really stood out to you this, uh, this off season during practice or anything?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, like we were just talking about with the transfer portal, most of the guys that have stood out, have been transfer portal guys, which isn't surprising as Auburn went five and seven last year. You know, a lot of those players from last year's team aren't really going to be standouts, but, um, one in particular, uh, and I'll hit on a few. But Shane Hooks at receiver. Looking at the depth chart, he's been listed as a starter. He came from uh, Jackson State. Uh, he had around like 800 yards and eight touchdowns, I believe, last year under Deion Sanders. But I mean, just just looking at him at practice, he just looks like a an elite SEC receiver. And there's been been a few clips from their scrimmages where he's been making like one handed catches, and then just watching him. In practice, I don't think I've seen him drop a football yet. So that's one guy. And then one re- guy that's returning, also a receiver, uh, Jay Fair. He saw pretty limited playing time last year. He played in most of the games, but not for long. Um, but he's been he's been getting just an insane amount of praise from uh, players and coaches. Um, and when you look at the depth chart, he's uh, listed as like, a, a co-starter. It's Jay Fair or Javarius Johnson. But I think that's really impressive for Fair because Javoy Johnson has been a starter at Auburn for like, I think this would have been like his third, third year starting now. And the fact that Jay Fair has pushed him to just being an or on the depth chart, that speaks a lot to how much Jay Fair has grown. And then um, a few other guys, just when you look at left tackle, center, and right tackle, those are all newcomers. And Dylan Wade, Avery Jones, and Gunnar Britton, those are the three guys on a just completely revamped offensive line, which I think ties back to it. Hugh Freeze knowing how to recruit in the SEC. Um, he knows you can't you can't win with a bad offensive line. So the fact that Freeze went and got Dylan Wade, Avery Jones, and Gunnar Britton speaks a lot to how much Freeze knows. And these guys, just looking at, like, it's kind of the same thing with Shane Hooks. Just looking at them, you can tell. I mean, they are just huge. Like, Dylan Wade is 6'3", 307. Avery Jones, 6'4", 307. And then Gunner Britton is 6'6", 312 pounds. So he's, he's got some some big guys up on the offensive line, which obviously uh you have to have to win. And we've seen in the past few years when Auburn, offensive line has not been good.
0: Yeah, um, it's it definitely what last year was a biggest weakness. You mm. know, every everyone can see you turn on a game, you can see that they was they couldn't right. keep Ashford up. It was right. Ashford had to run, scramble. Right. And I think with all this we've seen what freezes you know, kind of plan was with recruiting. We bring all these offensive linemen, you know, some of these offensive players, you know, you got Thorne, the QB coming in. I think the offensive side is going to be the biggest improvement that we're going to mm. see. I think that's what we were saying earlier about how the games were supposed to be just winning or we're supposed to be in a little bit more than we are or were in the years past. We will have that offense that can at least go down and score instead of have to settle for three right. that we had to, because there were some games where Carlson was just having to kick, seven times a game yeah, just to definitely. keep us in the game and it was yeah. where our defense would stand up and then the offense would just sputter you know get down to the red zone right. couldn't finish it so i think yeah. i think with freeze you know he's got a lot of uh you know history with these qbs and stuff so i mean w- what is your opinion on thorn right now
1: yeah i think Payne thorn i think he's a very solid quarterback i don't i wouldn't say he's like a game changer mm-hmm. by any means but i really don't think Auburn's going to need him too. Like you look at the running back group with Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, Brian Petit, that's obviously Auburn's strongest run or strongest position group. So Auburn's obviously going to lean on the running running game pretty much the whole year, which I think that fits really well for Peyton Thorne because you looked at his break. If you look at his breakout year when he's at Michigan State, that's when he had Kenneth Walker mm-hmm. right next to my running back, who's in the NFL now. So if if Peyton Thorne doesn't have to be a game changer, then he's going to be really solid. Like I, he doesn't make just bad mistakes. Like we've seen from some Auburn quarterbacks in the past. Um, like when Bo Nix yeah, early in his tenure and then TJ Finley, Robbie Ashford, you know, they were always just prone to throw like a few passes each game. It's like, dude, you should not have thrown that. Um, yeah. But I think with Thorne, I don't think that's a problem. He's just going to take what's going to, he's going to take what the defense gives him. And, um, the only concern with that is if Auburn goes up against a really good rushing defense and they just can't get the running game going, then you got to put the ball in Peyton Thorne and ask him to lead an 80 yard drive and that's kind of where my concerns are with Thorne.
0: So you want to say you have full contru- trust in him right now? Like yeah. Sh-
1: yeah, I want to say full trust. Um like I said, I don't think he's a game changer. I don't think he's going to I don't think he's good enough to like just straight up just win you the game. Like mm-hmm. he's gonna, I don't think he's going to go out there and throw for 400 yards. Four touchdowns, no picks um, against like LSU, and give you a statement road win. But I think he's good enough to where if the running backs are doing well, then they, they, you can just bounce off that. Yeah, get some play action going. Right. Some... Yeah. Yeah. Completely. So as long as Jarquez, Damari, and Brian are having a good good game on the ground, then that'll just l- let Thorne settle in, and yeah. he can do his do his job, just hitting quick little slants, out routes. You really open up the field for right. him. Right. Yeah. You now and the run game is going to set up the pass game too. So yeah,
0: and then out of these players we just spoke about, is who do you think you are the most excited to see suit up against UMass this weekend? see like where you like you're not maybe maybe a player you're not sure about you're like oh what can he do or is it one of the standout players you just mentioned like who is it that you you Jacob Waters mm. is going to be looking for this Saturday on the field?
1: I think the first one talked about him earlier, but Shane Hooks. Uh, I'm really excited to watch the whole receiver room, but especially Shane Hooks. I think I think. He, if there's any any receiver on the roster that could hit 1,000 yards and just be the third Auburn receiver ever to get 1,000 yards, it would be Shane Hooks. So I'm really excited to see him. And then going to the defensive side of the ball, he's not listed as, as a starter, but true freshman, Keltrick Falk. He's a plain defensive end. He's 6'6", 288. He's a guy that I think by like week four or five he will be a starter. So I'm really excited, really, really excited to see him um, as a true freshman. You know, that's always exciting to see him if a true freshman come in and make an instant impact and um yeah it's just UMass but he'll get his he'll get a good bit of reps um out there at defensive end so and he's obviously huge um so that's that's another guy him and Shane Hooks I'm really really excited to watch against UMass
0: yeah with games like you against UMass you know where Auburn goes in you know expected to win you know I think some people don't think of this when they watch games like that is that Don't just look at, oh, the score, you know, like, oh, they're winning, you know, whatever, to like 30 to 10 or whatever. Mm. You know, be looking for those, how the team works together, how do they're getting penalized, are they sloppy, are they not sloppy? You know, little things like that, I think that's what's going to show in that game. Mm. We're showing how the difference that we might see, like, from years past, like, as we mentioned with the offensive line, see, like, if the improvement, if there's, like, like, is it going to look better, because... There's a lot of you know, hope and optimism this year for Auburn, and I think people maybe need to dial that back mm. and have like a little bit better expectations with things. But then it, they need to also be able to appreciate the little improvements if they are there, obviously. Yeah, I
1: completely agree. <laughs> and you know, it was something that offensive coordinator Philip Montgomery and defensive coordinator Ron Roberts and obviously Freeze, too, is they've said they want to be 2 deep at every single position. So let's say Auburn's up. 42 to nothing in the third quarters on Saturday um, and then puts in the backups. Obviously the game is over by then, but there's still a lot of things to look out for. You want to see if those backup guys can come in and because Auburn wants to rotate a lot. You want to, the, the coaching staff, at least, they want to see the back they want to see Larry Nixon, a linebacker, Canley, another true freshman at corner. They want to see if those guys can hold up and be like uh reliable rotation pieces. Cause you know, I mean, Injuries are going to happen, especially in the SEC where it's so physical. This The step chart right now is not going to be the exact same. In probably like four or five weeks, somebody's going to be hurt. So I'm sure that's another thing to look out for and just see even if the backups can come in and still not have any trouble. Yeah, it's UMass, but still they're, they're backups and you want to see them be reliable too.
0: Yeah. I mean, we also could see with uh, not just the backups, but I was thinking about Ashford. Right. You know, see if there's any improvement from last year because I had personally I had some high hopes for Ashford like under Freeze. You know, after seeing what Freeze did with Willis Malik mm-hmm. Willis right now for the Titans and what he did with him at Liberty, I was like, oh, this this might be a perfect combo if he can like you know nurture Ashford like bring him under his wing, develop him into this dual threat QB. Because mm-hmm. I mean, Ashford has the speed, he has the you know ability to make a defender miss. He just didn't have that throwing ability. And that, right. that was one of the things that I think if, you know, we get to the second-string players, that's one thing I want to see. Because, like, I mean, he's a sophomore, so we could mm-hmm. definitely ha- use him if you know Thorne gets hurt or if, you know, we need him in certain games because there's going to be a time where, like, he might have to step up.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And um, when Freeze announced that and Thorne would be the starter, immediately after that he said, as long as Robbie Asher, like, handles this news well – we're gonna he's gonna be on the field like we're gonna have plays for him so um even if it's not because like Thorne's injured or something freeze said at least that i mean, expect to see robbie ashford on the field um i don't know if i fully believe that because i know gus Malzon would say that yeah um, at the start of every season, he'd be like i don't really like, when better next got the joys like no we're gonna still play joey gatewood too and that rarely ever happened um
0: he would be a great receiver with yeah. uh, Asfra. I mean, he's got the you know he's a big body. He mm-hmm. could go up and get a probably a really good physical uh, receiver. But it does remind me of you saying you know about if if they do utilize him, it reminds mm-hmm. me. I mean, God forbid if <laughs> for the outcome of the same. But Trey Lance at San Francisco yeah. like that yeah. is a they used him in gadget plays the first year. You know they had I mean a little bit obviously different situation, different league. But you had uh, a QB that is going to gain management in Garoppolo. And I feel like that might be what Thorne has to do. But then you also have this kind of boom or bust kind of prospect okay. in Ashford. Because I think Ashford's ceiling could be high if he yeah. figure, like, gets oh, the throwing. Oh, yeah, flowing, you know? I
1: completely. I think of these quarterbacks, um, I think Ashford might have the highest ceiling. You could at least argue it, just mm-hmm. his running ability alone. Um, and watching him in practice, it looks like he has improved throwing it a little bit. I guess it just wasn't enough to beat out Thorne. Um, but yeah, you could definitely see him in some gadget plays. Um, my only concern with gadget plays is, especially with somebody like Ashford, it's like obviously his strength is running it. So if you let's say Auburn brings in Robbie Ashford, um, like against Georgia for a gadget play, I feel like Kirby Smart's gonna know that mm-hmm. Auburn's probably gonna run it. Um, but that's why, like, I mean, I'm not a coach, so like maybe. you're thinking like just
0: don't get too cute with trying right. to play calling. Yeah,
1: you don't just. I can't. I don't know if it can be in like an obvious situation. If it's like fourth and one and Ashford comes into the game. Obviously, the defensive coordinator for the uh for Auburn's opponent's going to be like, "Well, they put in this running quarterback. They're probably going to run it now. You got to be creative with it and even though he, his strength is running, I think you got to let him pass it too if you bring him in just to keep the defense on their toes so mm-hmm. they don't know like every time Ashford's in, they're going to run the ball.
0: For sure. I mean, like with the defenses that they're going to be facing this season, like it's you got to be at the top of your game on mm-hmm. offense. You got to be good play calls. You can't just—it's not always going to work. You you got to be on the top of your game, and I think Freeze can do that. I mean, he's proven that. Uh, I remember last year he won against Arkansas. I felt like that was the game. He was kind of like, "Hey, I still can play, and yeah. like, I can still coach in the SEC. I'm got a team like Liberty. Mm-hmm. You know, a program like that can beat an SEC team. Mm-hmm. That, that's where I think this optimism going back to that. The optimism for Freeze is so high. He's like, oh, if he can do that, you know, yeah. what is he going to do against these other SEC schools and stuff he's going to be playing?
1: Yeah, I can play Greek because I'm thinking about Freeze at Liberty. That whole, His whole tenure there was probably just an audition just to get back to the SEC. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, he left that to come to Auburn. I think he always wanted to come to Auburn the whole time, or not to Auburn, but maybe to just a school in the SEC. You got to think he was definitely at Liberty. He was definitely trying to prove something like, yeah. no, nah, I can still coach uh, Ole Miss, that whole thing ended sour, but hey, I'm still the same coach that I am now. Like, I can still go out there, win nine and 10 games. Uh, Cause we saw him do that at Ole Miss. So yeah, I agree.
0: And finally, how do you think the rest of the SEC will end up? I mean, we, next year we got, you know, Texas and Oklahoma mm-hmm. coming on in and, that's I and mean, that's gonna definitely throw a wrench and yeah. getting rid of uh the, divisions yeah divisions it's i mean definitely next year is gonna be a shake-up so this is like the last year you know we're really gonna see yeah. that so yeah. like i mean how, how do you think the sec is gonna end up you know you got alabama you got you got georgia i think lsu is a team that's gonna mm-hmm. come up and probably i mean could surprise everybody and mm-hmm. be a top five team in the nation by the yeah. end of the year
1: yeah well um yeah I'll, just, I'll start in the west since you brought up lsu um I believe they're number five in the be poll right yeah. now. Um, and I have them actually winning the West. Uh, and then I have Alabama in second, A&M in third, Auburn in fourth, Ole Miss fifth, Arkansas sixth, Mississippi State seventh. But, yeah, I have LSU winning it. I'm, I'm just really high on LSU. I, think they'll, I do think they'll lose an SEC game in there somewhere, but I do think they'll actually win at Alabama. Um, and I think LSU will lose to Florida State in uh, week one. But I just – I think – with how much they return, I'm really high on them. I think Brian Kelly is a phenomenal coach. I think he proved that last year. Uh, I think he had some, uh like, a bad rep being at Notre Dame just because they could never get over the hump and, like, win the college football playoff. And obviously they weren't in a conference, so he didn't have any, like, conference championships to his name. But I think Brian Kelly is an amazing coach. I think he's probably a top five coach in the country. Um, so I have LSU there, and then. With Bama, if it feels stupid to doubt them, Mm -hmm. um, because I think my prediction is they'll go like ten and two, Um, so it feels dumb to doubt Nick Saban. But I just don't know about the quarterbacks right now. Um, Do you
0: feel like the dynasty's dead? I know that's the big, (laughs) that's the big headline (laughs) news. The dynasty is dead.
1: No, I I don't think it's dead at all. Um, Not. I I think it would be foolish just while Nick Saban is there to say the dynasty is dead, and maybe it's not as strong as it Mm -hmm. was before. But Alabama's going to be a player every single year that Nick Saban's there.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's still strong. I think what it is is just now you have Smart mm. and Kelly. Right. And, it, and he's just getting more competition where, like, yeah. in years past, you really didn't have that yeah,
1: as much. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I don't think Saban is obviously, I, in my opinion, he's the greatest coach ever. Um, there just weren't that many other coaches that were mm-hmm. as have taken their taken their programs to the next level. Like you said, Kirby Smart. Um, Dabo kind of did it for a little there with Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Clemson will be right up there again this year, but I think they're still really good. But, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of teams popping up. I mean, Michigan is is back. You know, they were in the playoff last year. Um, They beat Ohio State the last two years. So I I think there's just a lot more players this year or now in college football. I guess parity would kind of be the right word Um, Mm -hmm. because at least it's not the same team winning it every year. At least there's kind of a group of like four or five to pick from. But yeah, I mean the Dynasty definitely is not dead, but it's it's just
0: There's still a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's definitely still a heartbeat.
1: So, um but yeah, and I have Auburn finishing fourth. Um I kinda anything really in the West, two through seven, you could put in any order and I would I would not disagree with you at all. I think mm-hmm. between A and M. Auburn, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Mississippi, State, all those teams are kinda of like dead even to me. It'll just kinda of depend on where those matchups are. Like if it's like Auburn plays at A and M, side so have A and M winning that game and eventually finishing third, um, above Auburn.
0: I mean, but, which of these teams do you think is just which teams do you think are gonna improve and which team do you think is just gonna have the fall off mm, from the West?
1: In the West. Um I think L S U will be kind of where they were last year, ten and two.
0: Mm-hmm. You like Um, pick up where they left off because they had a slow start, and then once they got going, yeah,
1: yeah, I I could see it being like that. I think one team that will improve, and I feel like a lot of people disagree with this, but is Texas A&M. I know they've been so disappointing like the last like they had a good year in 2020, and that was about it under Jimbo. But I just I say this every year, and they burn me every year. But they have just so (laughs) much talent. It's like how can I pick them to finish any lower? I do. I do like hiring the hire of Bobby, Bobby Petrino as offensive mm-hmm. as coordinator. That takes a lot of faith to just trust that Jimbo is going to completely give that offense to him. But I think Jimbo probably knows he's probably coaching for his job this year at A&M. So hopefully for my, for my prediction's sake, hopefully he finally kind of gives it, gives the offense away. And um, if he does that, I think A&M can be really good and um, a team that will fall off. I can't remember what Arkansas's record was last year, but I feel like they've, the past two years like under Pittman they've been like just a threat to any team they play play against um I don't know if that'll be the case this year and I, I think KJ Jefferson is really good and uh Rocket Sanders at running back is really good that's for the rest of the team I just don't know if they'll have the defense to kind of keep up with everybody um so I think they'll I, I could see them falling off a little bit um as for like a sleeper in the West, I actually I think Mississippi State could be that. Obviously, Mike Leach isn't, isn't there anymore, which is obviously very sad. But you know, I mean, think, I think they won nine games last year, um, and it seems like they always kind of they're like three and three, uh, four and three, and then they just somehow end up getting to like nine wins. Like, yeah, it,
0: it is going to be interesting to see how how that program bounced back from the loss of uh, Leach mm. and. You know that that bowl game was very emotional mm-hmm. that they played in. It was you could see that they were laying it all in line for Leach that they really wanted to win that game, and I think it's just gonna be seen like okay, what what is gonna happen with that, and then. Going back to Arkansas, yeah, Arkansas was seven and six last year because mm. Arkansas started off pretty hot yeah. last year too. Like everyone yeah. was like, "Okay, this is." I think well, they were top ten. I think I think that was the year before. Year before uh,
1: when they, yeah, I think that was the year before. Okay. But I think last year they started off pretty good too, or they, they at least had a good amount of expectations mm-hmm. going into the year. So I guess a fall because I, mean, I feel like Arkansas will probably get seven and five this year. So I guess that wouldn't really be a fall off, but I don't know if they'll be as competitive as they, they no. have been lately. As for the East, I have Georgia winning that, then Tennessee second, South Carolina third, Kentucky fourth, Missouri fifth, Florida sixth, and uh, Vanderbilt seventh. Um, and I'll just get into Florida really quick. I just, I, I'm just not really sold on Billy Napier. Um, mm-hmm. And then at quarterback, Graham Mertz, I feel like he'll be better than he was at Wisconsin, but he was like really bad at Wisconsin. I don't know how going from that the from the big 10 to the sec if that if that'll actually make him better or not but i I do have a little bit of hope because you know it could be like a bo Nick situation where he just needed a change of scenery he needed to go to an offense that will be more quarterback friendly so maybe that that'll be the case and that is then florida could easily finish like third in the east but i'm pretty set on georgia first tennessee second
0: what do you think of uh south carolina that's the team i'm high on in the east because i mean they they closed out the season really well too
1: yeah they did um I love Shane Beamer. I think he's an awesome <laughs> you coach. Beamer ball. Yeah, I love Shane Beamer. I think he's like I said. I think he's an amazing coach, and he's just fine. When you talk about like fits in college football, like with a head coach, I don't know if there's a better fit than uh, Shane Beamer at South Carolina. He just knows what exactly to do, and that's that's been obvious. You know, they beat Clemson last year. I feel like they had another upset like a couple weeks before or something, but um, I know when he took over South Carolina. Like they were just kind of a dumpster fire really. And uh the fact that he's turned it around this quickly is amazing for the Gamecocks. So I'm really I'm really high on Beamer. I'm really high on South Carolina too. I, I think they could go like eight and four and I think that'll be a phenomenal year yeah, for them. I was gonna say last year um, they finished eight and five. Yeah. I'm not like expecting them at all to be like a contender in the east. But I think that's completely fine for South Carolina, especially when you look look at uh Georgia. And it was Tennessee I seen but they beat Tennessee a few weeks mm-hmm. before that. But I do think Tennessee will finish above South Carolina, but I'm really high on South Carolina, and I think Spencer Rattler is going to take another jump like he did last year.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I think the game against Tennessee was when Hooker went down. I think, yeah, right? I, think yeah that was, I think so. Um, but even still, they were still
1: yeah, like – I think they were still up by a good bit then. Yeah, um, they were maybe. still
0: like uh, – I think it was competitive, but then it yeah. was just – Yeah. South Carolina kept chipping away and then right. eventually just broke away. And then, yeah, yeah. but Rattler, I mean – he had big expectations at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's like, "Okay, this guy, you know, he's he's been on this Netflix documentary, all this social media QB co- coming in at Oklahoma doesn't do well, mm-hmm. has to transfer." Everyone kind of like, "Oh, you know, he's just QB that's gonna wash up." And right. then last year, at towards the end of the season, he's like, "No, I I still yeah. can, I still have the ability." Yeah. Now, like, I think if he can turn down, like, bring down the turnovers, like, yeah. he's definitely. Yeah.
1: not I completely Agree with you, and that's what I was saying. Maybe coming back for another year maybe it can take that another that next step towards just cutting down the turnovers because it's obvious he has unbelievable talent I mean he gets a lot of touchdowns and yards it's just the turnovers but uh, I I'm hoping that with him coming back maybe that can those the uh, turnovers can be cut out some
0: hmm so what is your uh, team that you think will improve in the east mm-hmm. and which team do you think will digress
1: I think Improve, I'll say. As conference kind of because I feel like I have all these teams kind of about mm-hmm. the same record last year. I think Missouri will be um a little bit better than they were last year. I have them fifth in the East. But I could easily, I could see them going up to like third or something. I think Drinkwitz is a pretty decent coach. I think he's a good fit there. And then they, I know they return a lot of their defense, which was really good last year. um So I feel like, you know, I remember they played Georgia pretty close last year. So I think think their defense will be really good with um most of those guys coming back so i don't know if that'll go to like a record improvement but i think they'll be competitive in the east and you know, tina will fall off i think i can't remember what kentucky's record was last year it I,
0: was seven and six seven that's what i was six. feeling was Probably fall was yeah. after losing levis i think because yeah. levis was kind of that like game changer for them that could win yeah. games
1: I feel like they'll probably end up around there again because you know, they added Devin Leary from North Carolina State um, in the transfer portal, and he's in a he's a phenomenal quarterback. I think he's after Jay and Daniels and KJ Jefferson. I think Leary might be the third best quarterback in the conference. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I, and I honestly wasn't ever really that impressed with Will Levis. I, I understand like the, <laughs> the physical makeup that he has, to which why he got drafted pretty high. But I think as as for like performances at the college level i think leary's always been better than him so i I don't really know if they'll fall off i think maybe a team that might underperform a little bit is maybe like tennessee even Mm. though i have them finishing second in the east Yeah,
0: losing hooker is probably yeah
1: and i think joe Milton at quarterback he obviously has a phenomenal arm but
0: you know we yeah that's the thing we see he can throw it far but how well is he gonna manage on you know, accuracy with right. timing because I mean, you can a lot of QBs can throw yeah. it far, and it, yeah. it is impressive how far you can throw it. Yeah. But you know, Jamarcus Russell could throw the ball yeah, far, That's...
1: And I mean, Millen you know, he he was at Michigan before Tennessee, and they gave him numerous opportunities, to be like, "Hey, like this is your job. Like, mm-hmm. please show us show us on the field that you are as good as you're supposed to be." And it just never really happened. I think maybe the change of scenery to Tennessee will help because he was phenomenal in their bowl game against Clemson, but. You know that was only one game. Like that was a one game sample size. If it goes on for a full season, how will that how will that look? Because you know, they got to go to Alabama this year. And I think a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but I think some people probably pick Tennessee to win that, or at least be competitive in it. Mm-hmm. I just don't. It's, that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough environment. Yeah, um, I, I don't for Milton. And the <laughs> I rest don't of the see. Walls. Tennessee winning that. Um, so I think you know they had this high, high-powered offense last year. It was mm-hmm. like you, you they lost to, Hyatt as well. Yeah, yeah. You so you don't want to miss a Tennessee game just because their offense mm-hmm. is so good. I don't know if they'll be as threatening this year. Um, yeah, because
0: they were eleven and two last year. i right. could see them. The lowest probably be eight probably maybe probably nine yeah I don't I don't think they would get 11 I think they'll probably be nine or ten. yeah
1: I agree I think I think I've been sitting at nine and three just because I don't think that offense will be as good so I guess that one that's not like a huge drop off and nine and three there's nothing to be sad about it Mm. but I think some people are like if there's anybody if there's if Georgia's not going to win it's going to be Tennessee and while I agree I just don't know if that's even like a realistic thing I don't I don't see anybody in the east that's going to be better than Georgia
0: yeah for sure Well, thank you, Jacob, for joining me. Uh, Please like, subscribe, uh, share with a friend. We'd appreciate it. And thank you for listening to Page 8.